It's a great day. I always say that. Because God never has never made anything that wasn't great. Not just good, but great. So every day is great. Every day is great. Glory to God. Well, we're in our series on Wednesday night on foundation. And um, this series is the first part of this. There's three parts, but the first part that we've been teaching on is in regards to faith or having a statement of faith in your heart. It's vital as a born-again Christian that we know certain things, not just for ourselves, yes, for ourselves, but it's vital that we know certain things for other people. And, um, and you know, this year and, and last year alike, our body, as Sandra said earlier, we're, we're great commission-minded in this body. And um, we've cast vision about the great commission and about being a part of that. And our, a lot of what we're doing in our body is, is surrounding that. And there's a lot of new things that are in the works in our body for and with our community and, and, and with the great commission on our minds. And, you know, the great commission is not just about activity. It's not just about going and being around other people's lives. The Great Commission is about making disciples. And disciples make disciples. Right? Good volunteers make good volunteers. Um, anybody can be a part of a, of, of a group, a, a social group in our community and just do good works. It's not just about good works. It's about making disciples. It's about people being transformed into Christ-likeness. People being like Jesus. People desiring to be like Him. Desiring to learn about Him. And, and to be able to do that, they have to have examples in other people. And so, what we've talked about in the last four weeks... Well, actually five because we had a, a first night that just kind of prepared it. What we've talked about has to do with a foundation of faith in our heart or a statement of faith. It's not just the faith. It's not just this church or what this church supposedly believes like our statement of faith as a church. But it's a statement of faith and these five principles of this faith being established in your heart and I'll just I'll go over the list of of what we've talked about in this and and I want you to you know I want you to think about um, how important that each one of these are and it, and it, and as we've shared these and you can go on the website to our podcast and you can listen to these messages over and over again and it's good to because it's good to remind yourself of the importance of these five things number one about faith faith in Christ about you being in Christ understanding repentance was number two that we taught on understanding understanding true water baptism what the purpose of it is and Understanding what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And tonight, number five, we're talking about the importance of the local church. 
why you're connected to the church, what, what the church is about and what the purpose and the plan is, so that, that you're connected to it, but that you're effective through it. I'm going to say it again. Yes, that you're connected to it, but that you're effective through the church. Not, not just being a part of some place, but being a part of it so that you, that, that you are effective with the power that the local church produces. Jesus, Jesus, his whole focus on the earth today, he's at the right hand of the Father, but all of his focus is the church. And, and you're the church and I'm the church, but we make up the church. And so his, his real desire is seeing individual people that are described in Scripture as different parts really connecting and working together. That the hand and the wrist and, and, and the forearm connected to the elbow, to the bicep, to the shoulder, that everything works together to accomplish certain things. Because if the hand says it doesn't need the rest of the arm, you know, I mean, you just see a hand just bouncing around here, it has no power. It can grip something, but it has no power to do anything with it, you know? And, and so we need, we, we, the church is us individually, but it's us corporately. And to think that you don't need it, and that you don't need the church and the connection of the church, and your part working with it, but working through it, if you don't believe that, it's because either you've never been taught or you've rejected it or you've refused it. And, and, and in most cases, people just haven't been given enough good information. And tonight, in the next 25 minutes, I'm going to give you some major, major, awesome information about the church. Okay, everybody seems really excited. No, I, I, I know you're. Yes, it is. So, let's first look Old Testament, and if you've been around here very long, we've taught pieces of this for the last probably, well, probably for a long time, 25 years. You know this is our 25th year in Kerrville, number 25, in, in July, July the 15th will be 15, 25 years. Where did I tell you to go? First Kings. First Kings is what I was going to say. Old Testament is what I said, yes. First Kings chapter 9. <clears throat> We're going to look at verse 1. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. So the Lord appeared to him. And he said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you, may, that, that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. He said, I've consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart are there 
perpetually in the house of God. The house of God. Now, look in the, in the New Testament. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm not going to use all the scriptures that we usually use with this. But New Testament, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. <clears throat> so, God's name is on his house. Okay? God's name is on his house. And his eyes and his heart are in it perpetually forever. Verse 15 of 1 Timothy 3. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Everybody say, house of God. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The house of God is the church of God. The house of God and the church you can't separate. You cannot separate God's house and God's church. And his name is on his church. And his eyes and his heart are there perpetually. Right? You see that. You can't separate the house and the church. Ephesians 1. And verse 21, verse 20. Well, verse 19. He said, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Verse 22. And he, the Father, put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him, Jesus, the Father gave Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. To the church, the house of God, which is the body. So the body is the church, the church is the house. And God's name is on it, and his eyes and his heart are there perpetually. In other words, God's focus, God's whole attention on planet earth is the church. He said, forever will my name be there, forever will my eyes and my heart be there on my house which in New Testament, New New Covenant now, is His church, which is the manifestation of His body in the earth. Now, 1 Corinthians 11. This is something that you have to to get this, because 1 Corinthians 11 is is the, um, the text that we use during communion and and. And in verse 23 through 26, it's Jesus, the Apostle Paul is repeating what Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, of partaking of the, the, the juice and, and the bread, representing the body and the blood of Jesus and what it accomplished. But in verse 27, it explains something to us here. And he says, therefore... 
Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, hold your place right there and look at Matthew chapter uh, 16. Matthew 16, just real quickly. As Jesus is training his disciples, he's, he's, he's kind of baiting them. He asks them, you know, who do, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, you say you're John the Baptist or one of the prophets like Elijah or Jeremiah or whatever. And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter jumped up out of, out of the group and he said, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, verse six, this is verse 17 now of chapter 16 of Matthew. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And on this rock I will build my church. On this rock I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. He said, On this rock I will build my church. Okay? Now, so we've got a lot of things swarming around here in all, the, in all of these verses of Scripture, but we know this. Old Testament God built a house, a place like this. He built a house. And he said, my name's on the house, and my eyes and my heart are on that house. And what it was on were the people that attended that house. And all through, all through Old Testament time into the New Testament times, leading up to Jesus, his death and burial and his resurrection, there were the synagogues, the houses, And his name was on there, and his eyes and his heart were on the people that attended that. We see in Scripture very clearly, in fact, you can go and and look at this verse of Scripture. I'm not going to turn to it right now, but you can go look in in a couple of different places. In Luke 4.16, if you're taking notes, you can write it down. And in Matthew 13.54, we see where Jesus went to church before he was before he taught in the synagogues, he attended the synagogues. And, and one time, his parents, he was with his parents, he's 12 years old, and they're, they're in Jerusalem, and they leave, and I mean, they, they, they get to the house and realize he's not with them. You ever left a kid somewhere? Huh? Hmm? Yeah, I left. <sighs> if you ever can't find Olivia, she's hiding in the women's clothes. Anyway, no. <clears throat> um, but what was I saying? Now I'm distracted. No. So, so they, left, they left him. And then they come back. He's a 12-year-old and he's in church. I mean, in days past, 12-year-olds, you had to drag him to church. Right? He's in church because he wants to be. And he's our example that we follow after. Jesus came. We need to be it. We need to be connected to what the church is. It's the house, the church, it's his body. And he said, he said, I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I'm building my church. I'm building my house. I am building my body. Now, 
Back in 1 Corinthians 11, where we were just reading in verse 29, he says, verse 28 says, Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, verse 30, there are many who are weak, in other words, powerless, they're sick, and, and many of them sleep. There's no life in them. Why? Because of the lack of discerning the body, which is the church, which is his house, because that's where his heart and his eyes are. His heart and his eyes are on you individually, but you connected to something more and bigger than you, just yourself. That's where it's at. And he said, that's why people are weak and sick among us. I heard a word this week. You can write this word down, given to you this prophetically. The beginning of this year, and we've been talking about it, we've talked about increase this year. Everybody say, increase. Say, that's me. Amen? Increase is who you are. Increase in your life is what God has planned for you. Promises fulfilled, promotions granted, and increased by the Spirit of the Lord. And I heard this word, this, just one word, and it's the word shift. 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 There is a shift that's going on. There is a shift from the natural into the supernatural. Now, now be watching things as you're developing your relationship with God. Watch as you're beginning to shift, going from natural thinking to supernatural thinking. Natural circumstances, say where your money is or, or things, where, where maybe in the natural you've been in lack, God is shifting you supernaturally into abundance and prosperity. Where sickness maybe has plagued your body, God is shifting you in your thinking, in your mind, from the natural of being sick into the supernatural of wholeness and health and who you are in God. Amen? And, and we, we have to allow the shift to happen in our soul and in our thinking so that we can embrace all that God has for us. Where God's promises are fulfilled or when you and I, by faith, embrace what he says in a supernatural realm. Because the natural realm will not cause the manifestation of the promises of God to manifest. The natural thinking, the world's way of thinking, will not tap the promises of God, only the supernatural. So, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you right now, by the Spirit of God, what God has said to me is that there has been a shift. Not is going to be, has been. Has been. Just, just this last week, there's a shift. God. Just a shift happening. You, 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 ever, you, ever had, you ever had a standard vehicle? Yeah. And the gears got stuck and you got stuck in second? And it wouldn't come out of it? <clears throat> RPMs are revved up. Oh, it's horrible. I had a Jeep one time. It wasn't mine. It was 
on, on my dad's golf course. It was a Jeep, and I was driving it on the street, and it shouldn't have been, and, it, and, and the gear locked up, and I got stuck in second. And, I mean, it took me forever to get where I was trying to go. But got it back, and they worked on it, and the next time I drove it, boom, able to shift it into third, <clears throat> down into fourth, perfect. You know, and I could accomplish so much more. And what God is saying is there's a shift to where you and I are going to be able to accomplish so much more as we get into overdrive. Amen? Come out of the low gears and into the overdrive. And the overdrive representing from the natural to the spiritual. The low gears to the higher gears, the low drive, the overdrive, representing the natural realm to the spirit realm. So take that, meditate on it. I'm telling you that prophetically tonight. God said there has been a shift. Not will be, there has been. So we're the church. Um, So let, let me say this about about discerning the Lord's body, okay? <clears throat> when, when, you have, when you have juice and a cracker and we're partaking of communion, we're thinking about, we're thinking about what his bl- blood produced, what his body, his beaten and tortured body produced for us. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. It says that by the blood of Jesus our sins have been forgiven. We, we've been set free. We've been made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we know that. And he says here in 1 Corinthians 11 that when people don't discern that correctly, they don't discern the body correctly, then they stay powerless and weak and sick and, and not partaking or being on the receiving end of what the body of Jesus Christ has accomplished. Well, I'm telling you tonight, and you've got to get a hold of this, But the body of Jesus Christ in the earth today is the church. So to discern the body of Jesus Christ correctly, you have to be connected. You're not going to get it being disconnected. The power is in the connection. The difference in Jesus, the one man, and you and I, all the second men and women, we're all the second ones. He's the, he's the number one, we're the second one. And, and the difference in him and us is that it's all of us make up him. See, it, it can't just be one of us trying to be like him and being Superman. Or Iron Man. Or Thor Man. Hmm? None of us have the ability. He didn't set it up that way. His eyes and his heart and his name are on us. Amen? It's on us. In spite of ourselves, in spite of our differences, in spite of things that we struggle with, your meditation can be on things you struggle with all the time and you'll stay struggling. Or you become a discipled one who is discipling others, then you stay in the mode of encouraging others. What happens to you? You stay encouraged. 
You want out of issues and problems in your own life, look for people with problems. And you don't have to look very far. You don't have to look very far. Usually you can just kind of crack your door and look next door. You don't have to look very far to be a blessing to other people and disciple other people. We're the church. And we've got to discern this thing correctly or this planet will go another 2,000 years. Well, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the Father knows. Only the, Jesus doesn't even know his return to the earth. Only the Father. What he's looking for, what he's looking for is people with the devil and the devil's way of thinking under their feet in authority. And, and it's time for the church to be that. I mean, it's, it's past time. Everybody say, there's a shift. Amen? There's a shift. I'm telling you tonight, there's been a shift. So what I want you to do is, you, you can hear that word and expect that word to do it, or you can believe that word and be a part of it. There's a shift. Begin to tap into the supernatural that's available for how we accomplish things, how our bodies get well, and how our finances change, and how, how issues in other people's lives begin to change, and how your prayers begin to be answered, and when you lay hands on somebody, something changes, and all those things, and you say, yeah, but you know, man, I've heard this before, and, and this has been, no, 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 there's been a shift, there's been a shift, I'm telling you tonight there's been a shift, I, I, I'm telling you, we, we, we will not settle for status quo we will settle for everything that God is and has for us that's what we'll settle for and and to get that we got to do some things we've never done before and it starts with little things start being nice to somebody that has been ugly to you start thinking good of people instead of the worst of people Start believing the best of a situation instead of, of expecting the worst of a situation because that's what you've seen all the time. There's been a shift. Things are going to change. People are going to change. Situations, manifestations are changing and manifesting in the days ahead. Because listen to me, all that really matters in today and in the future, all that really matters is that we emulate Jesus Christ. All that really matters is that we duplicate his ministry and fulfill his purpose on the earth. That's all that really matters. Apart from the manifestation of the person of Jesus in the earth, all the rest of the stuff is... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how successful you are, how well-liked you are, how this, that, or the other. If we're not demonstrating... The attributes and the nature of God and then passing those on into other people's lives just in a natural way. Just, just being kind to people. Just being a friend to somebody that, well, you know, I, you know they're not like me. That's, that's a good candidate. Find somebody that's not like you and go be a friend to. We're the church. And his eyes and his heart are on us. Amen? Hebrews 10.25. The thing that we need to understand, i got two verses of Scripture, the importance of what I'm telling you. 
Verse 24, let us consider one another. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, uh, exhorting one another, and so much the more, so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more. The days you and I are living in, it's important that much more that we're exhorting one another. We're being a blessing to other people. We're doing things that, you know, ah, you know, I don't have time for that. No, you don't have time not to do it. You know what? There's 24 hours in every person's day. And one thing that I've learned through the years, God is always challenging me from year to year to prioritize. Okay, you know what? You don't need, you don't need, you don't need to do that. That's a waste of time. That's what he, he talks to me like that. That's a waste of time. You know? And he can talk to me like that because I don't get offended by it. He can tell me whatever he wants to tell me and I don't get offended. And so, so it's, it's like I'll be praying and, and just have this sense that I need to change something. I don't need, I don't need that. I need, I need to spend more time doing this. I need to, I need to devote more time to a family member or somebody, or I need to spend more time praying for my neighbors or praying for this person or that or whatever it is. Because, because what happens is, in our minds, we think we don't have time. But everybody's got the same 24 hours. Everybody's busy. Not a person sitting in here today that's not busy in their lives. Everybody's busy. We live in a world of busy. We got time to hear the voice of God and do the things that He wants out of our lives for the good of others. So we don't forsake the importance. Understanding the importance of this is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as we, as we connect, as we're doing tonight, and, and other things that we have going on that we're doing. Don't neglect that. And then in Jeremiah, that's a great verse. Jeremiah um, 23. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23 and verse 3. Well, let's start with verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You've scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. Verse 3 says, But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Everybody say increase. I'm declaring over you every day, I declare over you that you're increasing in the name of Jesus. That the increase of God, fruitfulness and increase is on your life. I will set up shepherds under shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall they be lacking. And one translation says lacking anything says the Lord. See why? Because his eyes and his heart are on his house which is his church. 
which is the body, which is who we are. And our connection together is what makes us empowered to be on the receiving end of God, to increase. Not because we're perfect, not because we do everything right, but because we're connected. The body of Jesus Christ, as it's connected, is where its accomplishment is. Amen? So we see the importance of that and how vitally important it is. So, oh, I, I just want to end with this tonight. Just a couple things that you, that you can write down. Um, actually, just, just write all these down. I'm going to look at a, at a couple of the verses, but, but I'll give you these five things. Five things that the church brings to your life. Just write these down. Number one, power. And if you, if you see that in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30 that we just got through reading, if we discern the body correctly, which is the church, if we discern it correctly and what it's really about, we're here for the Great Commission, Great Commandment. That's what we're here for, right? And as we do that together, it empowers us because he says when you don't discern the Lord's body correctly, which is his church, which is the house of God, when you don't discern that and, be, and, and you're not connected to that, then you're weak and powerless. So the church brings power to your life, number one. Number two, it brings victory. And victory over demonic forces. And you can see that in Ephesians 3.10 and what we read earlier in Matthew 16.18. He said, <clears throat> he said, and I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, his church. So when we discern the body, his body correctly, which is his church, the devil's defeated over our lives. Can you say amen? It's what the church brings. Number three, the church of Jesus Christ brings health. And it's what we read in 1 Corinthians 11. That when we discern the body correctly and our connection to the body, then, then the sickness has to flee. It didn't say sickness doesn't come. Did you hear me? It doesn't say sickness doesn't come, but when it comes, it has no right to remain. And, and <clears throat> let, let me just say this really quickly about that. Because, because where symptoms are concerned in a, in a person's physical body, a lot of times... Through the years, I've had people say to me, well, you know, you know I, I, I prayed and I spoke the word, but, but nothing, nothing changed, so it, so it actually didn't work. But when you, think of, when you think of healing as a process, as something that, that is, is like a journey that you're on, anything else, why, why would healing manifest when everything else in Scripture is a process? Why, why, why does healing have to manifest immediately. I'm not saying that it won't. And I'm not saying that it can't because I believe it. I've seen it happen time and time and time again where people were healed instantly of things in their bodies. But if we don't see the manifestation instantly and we're continuing to declare that we're the healed in Christ and, and that God's word is true to us, what is that building on the inside of us? It's building an awareness and, and a faith and a confidence that sickness and disease has no place because we're not moved by what we see. See, 
That's what the church brings. The church brings to the table the teaching that by his stripes we're healed. And if I'm healed, then I'm not the, the sick trying to get well. I'm the healed and sickness has no dominion and authority over my life. And if I have symptoms in my body for a day, for two days, for 10 days, for 20 days, and all along I'm declaring the word, I've got to take some medicine for the symptoms or the things in my body, but all along I'm putting the word first. It doesn't matter if you don't see it leave today, tomorrow, or two weeks from now, or, you, or it took a long period of time, you keep doing it, and the next time something comes against your body, you do the same thing. And along the way, what will happen is the wisdom of God may show you some things that you can do in the natural that will help strengthen your body or your immune system against what it is that you're fighting. Did you hear what I said? So don't get under condemnation or feel a certain way if you don't see something manifesting in the time that you want to. You stay with it because God's word is true. And the only reason I can say that is because I know his word is not a lie. And, I've, and, it, and it, it's worked for me that way time and time again. And times when I didn't see it work or I didn't see manifestation, I had to purpose, you know what, that doesn't matter, the word is still true. And what, what the church brings to the table is health and healing. Third thing. Fourth thing is it brings authority. And we saw that in the Matthew 16, 19. No, we didn't because we didn't go that far. In 19th verse, it says, And I give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind is bound, and whatever you loose is loosed, right? So what the church brings to the table is the authority that we learn and we develop to where we have the keys because we have the authority to bind and loose, to let demonic spirits know they will not have place in my home and in my life and in anything that I do. And listen, there are times when it seems like the enemy has the upper hand. And all he's banking on is you're going to quit. But you know, we have another promise in the Word that says, you don't quit, you reap. May not be today, may not be tomorrow, may not be two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now. But if you don't quit, you'll reap. Amen. And the church brings to the table the encouragement to never quit. That's why you need the church. And number uh, five gladness and you can just go look at these two verses of scripture psalm 122 1 and acts 241 the joy of the lord is your strength amen how many times in my life that i have walked in the back door of a church didn't want to be there was tired how many times that I've come to preach in this church in the 25 years I've been here, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, I, 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 I would have I appeared to be a guy on constant vacation if I'd only come when I felt like it. And I walk in the door, and the music's playing, and man, something just rises up in my heart. And, and I came prepared, and I had the word, but maybe circumstances, or maybe I got up and attacked in the night in my mind, or whatever it is. I mean, things just happen. The more you serve God, the more attacks come. But the devil's defeated, and he has no authority over me, but coming to the church builds me up. How many times have you come having kind of a complaining attitude, and you just had a frustrating week, and you're tired? I mean, hey, come on, everybody you know, tired and you're whatever, and you come in 
And you think that I was following you around all week and I gave you what you needed. I thought, you know what? Today I'm going to just preach right to David Huffaker, you know, because he needs it today. But you know what? There's times he's come in here or you've come in here or whoever, and I preached a word from the Holy Ghost that was like it was just for you. That's what the church brings to the table. Amen. We're thankful for God's church. We're so thankful, amen, that we're together, that we're growing together. We're, we're moving in, in, an, in an increasing way. And I'm telling you, there has been a shift. That's from second to third, fourth. That's in a Jeep, 1977. <laughs> anyway, amen. God is good tonight, and, and receive this, and, and you know, ne- never just hear a word and let it go in one ear and out the other, because it won't profit you, see, because it's not about what you hear, it's about what you do with what you hear, so always take these, even if you didn't take notes tonight, if you listen to it later on, but, it, but just remembering two or three verses of scripture that you got tonight, and go meditate on the ones that really ministered to you, and it'll do something even more for you, it'll strengthen you, amen, God bless you tonight, have a great week, we'll see you Sunday.